everybody, it's Sean Harwell. This is Never Heard of a Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the movies that have fallen right through our cracks and yours. And I'm joined today, of course, by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? I'm just fine, Sean. I'm, I was yawning, as usual. Good, yep. But it ended just when you said my name, uh, when you asked me how I was. So I feel is like this is going to be a really good show. Is that how your wife you up in the morning? She yeah. She just say your name? Pretty Craig much. Craig Moorhead. Yeah. If she want no, if she wants me to go to sleep, uh, she'll she just start saying my name over and over again, and I'll just oof, man. <laughs> okay, takes I a just lot thought out she of should yeah start introducing our podcast, and she'll, you'll just nod right off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she has your voice actually on her phone. It's just like that's okay. Oof, it's yeah. tough, tough to stay awake through. It's a little offensive yeah. uh, when I think about it, but not too bad. I think it's a huge compliment. Thank you. How relaxing your voice is. <laughs> how are you doing, Sean? I'm good. Good. Nothing to add to it. Great. I mean, yeah, you know what? That, yeah. What more do you need to simple. say? Keep it simple. Not nothing. Apparently, yeah. 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 Uh, well, well hey. let me let me put you at ease right now. Okay. And let you know that the people listening to us can find us online. They can find us at our website, neverheardpodcast.com. They can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, on our site, they can listen to every episode we've ever done. If for some reason they wanted to do that, um, and uh, they can there's... find our podcast though they can find our podcast on on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify. They can leave, you know, reviews, probably five stars, five six stars. Um, but that's uh, that's kind of where people can find us, Sean. How do you feel about that? I feel great about that. Let me say real quickly, you know, this is the second movie of the month here. Yes, it is. And uh, we watched Out of the Blue. We watched a couple TV movies to kick off this season. And, you know, you and I were talking briefly about really wanting to stick to our namesake this year and try to find some more stuff like this. And the one we're doing today that, yeah, did, did indeed get looked over for all kinds of reasons that we will uncover. So... Indeed. I know people listening know tons of movies like this that would fit that description. So send them our way. Please do. We're going to get to a bunch of them this year, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Well, then, let us get to Band of the Hand. Love the title, Craig. Thank you. I had never heard of this movie whatsoever. It's from 1986. Mm -hmm. You're going to tell us who made it right after I give this very brief synopsis from IMDb. Sweet. Band of the Hand is about juvenile lost causes who are reformed by a war veteran using survival tactics. What could go wrong, honestly? What could go wrong? <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. Poster's great. Mm -hmm. The cast I saw looks great. So why don't you let everybody else feel great about this movie? Oh, man. There's nothing not to feel great about in this movie. At least that's what I'm hoping. I haven't watched no. it in a long time. Okay. Uh, but this is this is one of the foundations of my <laughs> childhood uh, uh, film filmdom. Yeah, uh, you had a weird reason. childhood. You had a weird childhood. I did. Yeah. I really did. It was a little <laughs> scattershot, Sean. Yeah, this uh, movie very clearly is rated R. I'm looking at it yeah, right now. Yeah, it's not. So, yeah. I should not be watching this at 12 <laughs> years old, probably. Yeah. Um, but I anyway. did, and now... Everyone else has to pay for it. Here we go. Uh, Band of the Hand was directed by Paul Michael Glazer. 
uh, Sean, who you might recognize as Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. He also directed The Running Man. Yep. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. And uh, he also directed a movie called Kazam starring Shaq, Shaq Attack. Shaq, what's his shit? What's his name? Shaquille uh, his O'Neal. His name is Shaquille O'Neal, and he yeah. shares a birthday with me. So oh, let's sorry. let's go easy on Shaq. Respect, okay? respect. Yeah, uh, fellow Pisces. Yeah, he's done. He's done a bunch of. He's done a bunch of stuff though. Uh, yeah, more famous I think now for directing than than even being Starsky, which is uh, saying something. It's kind of saying something. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Leo Guerin of T.J. Hooker and Quincy fame. Cool. Uh, and also by Jack Baran. Definitely not the correct way to pronounce it. Who had an uncredited, uh, an uncredited credit. What am I going to say? He did uncredited work <laughs> on the movie The Big Easy and then Great Balls of Fire. I'm imagining he's a Dennis Quaid guy. Must be. Um, perhaps. Uh, produced by Don Kurt, who did mostly TV. Recently, he did uh, Justified and Preacher. Uh, wow. Also produced by Michael Rauch, Point Break, Blue Steel. Oh, yeah. Which we did a while back. Uh, and uh, also produced by Michael Mann of Miami Vice. And uh, for some reason, I wrote down L.A. Takedown fame. <laughs> of uh, course. Have you ever heard the story of L.A. Takedown? No, I don't know anything about uh, L.A. We, Takedown. We may, we may have to do something on that sometime. We should. Okay. Yeah. Uh, music by Michelle Rubini, who did uh, Manhunter and The Hunger. So like, Love it. you know, it's going to be like creepy synth stuff. Like it's seriously, be. it's yeah. going to, it's, it's awesome. And then, uh, the DP is Reynaldo Villalobos. Uh, he shot a bunch of breaking bad. He did risky business. He did oh, nine wow. to five. He yeah. did Juana man. Yeah. Yeah. One of those is <laughs> not, not like the others. Not Maybe. as acceptable. I've as, never seen uh, it. Yeah. I remember the commercials. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I cringe to think what that movie's like. I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> we should watch it. Yeah, I kind of wonder like if it's like, oh, no, shit, that was very progressive, actually. Yeah. Um, edited by Jack Hofstra, who uh, cut Young Guns, cut the Stuntman. Wow, he uh, did Stuntman? Oh, stunt I love Stuntman. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Uh, so we got some good heavy hitters behind the camera. Yeah. We got a lot of talent back there. Uh, but let me tell you something in front of the camera, we have some, uh, some pretty cool dudes too. And ladies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I want to say this before I get into it. Something I've always thought about this (coughs) is I feel like, and probably especially for the time, this cast is to me anyway, has a very striking look. Like I feel like every person in the cast is just like. They got a face on them. Like, like yeah. one way or another, they got a look about them that's, that's yeah. like, uh, stands out. Um, which cool. uh, I feel like, you know, we get a lot of homogenous movies. Um, that's true. Good. Anyway, uh, here's who's, who's, who's in this thing. First of all, Stephen Lang, right? He's from yeah. Avatar. He's from Manhunter. He's from Don't Breathe. He's from a ton of stuff. Like, you'll definitely recognize this cat, Stephen Lang, if you don't recognize the name. Also, Michael Carmine, he was in Batteries Not Included, and Leviathan, sadly, he died at the age of 30. Yeah, uh, he died in 1989, um, which, uh, yeah, that's kind of sad. 
Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Lauren Holly, we all know oh, her yeah. from Dumb and Dumber. Maybe you yep. know her like I do from the dra- from Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Uh, <laughs> okay, a movie I still stand behind, um, not in front of. Um, but she's great, John Cameron Mitchell. So I mean, th- this guy, he was a, he, he did a lot of acting. He was in MacGyver. Uh, he was in Freddy's Nightmares again. Freddy's Nightmares from uh, we talked about it a couple uh, episodes ago. Sharon Farrell was in a Freddy's Nightmares episode. Yeah. So was John Cameron Mitchell. Uh, I think what he's probably most famous for is directing a movie called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, which, I, if you haven't seen that, I also recommend that highly. Yeah, it's great. I, I I stopped in my tracks when I saw his name on the list. I was like, what? I yeah. had no idea he did any acting uh, in film. Yeah. Prior to that, yeah. Well, and the funny thing is, like, so, I mean, this movie, yeah, came into my life at the age of 12, and it was probably, it was a couple years after Hedwig was out, where I was, like, kind of glanced back at that one and was like, wait a second, like, he was in, wait, he was in my kid. movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, next actor, Danny Quinn, I didn't recognize a bunch of stuff from him, but, um, but, yeah, again, like, this dude, uh, I'm kind of surprised, because this, this dude is, again... What am I saying? I, I'm I'm going to talk about Danny Quinn a little bit. Okay, great, I'm, great. I'm, I'm going to talk about him. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious because like his list of stuff was like there was a lot of foreign movies. Seemed like like it went Italian. It went like all over the place. Uh, you, you, maybe you'll, he was you'll find out. Okay. you'll find out some things, uh, Craig. Uh, 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 I look forward to it. Okay. Uh, the next actor is credited as Leon. Leon. I believe his full name is Leon Robinson, but Leon at the time. He was in All the Right Moves. He was also in Colors. We talked about that. Uh, that was a mm-hmm. Dennis Hopper movie. We talked about that a few episodes ago. Uh, and you might have seen him in a recent episode of the show Rel on Fox, if you watch the show Rel on Fox. Now, uh, he next... Cool Runnings. I he was got, also I in Cool th- Runnings, yes. Yeah, I gotta get that in there, sorry. No, no, good, good. Please, please share as much as you like. Okay, uh, that's all. Like. This is not a dictatorship. Um... <laughs> Al Shannon was in Casualties of War, and you know, he did a lot of stuff on Miami Vice and Crime Story. Ah, Paul Calderon. Does that name sound familiar at all? It does. I, I don't, don't know if know this is why that. it will be familiar, but like I know that name, and the only reason I know it is because he's the guy in Pulp Fiction who says, my name's Paul, and this is between y'all. Uh, he's the guy like at the bar that they talk to. Yeah. And, and actually, Lawrence Fishburne. He's, is this far down the list? Lawrence Fishburne is in this. Of course, you know, Apocalypse Now and Matrix. Uh, James Remar uh, from 48 Hours. He's going to yeah. be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming up. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, like we got uh, Marin Mer- uh, Ferrero, which uh, is another one I was kind of surprised he was so far down the list. This is the guy who played the lawyer in Jurassic Park. You remember that cat? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and finally... There's an actor by the name of Dan Hanks, and I don't know Dan Hanks. I don't recognize him from the movie yet. I haven't watched it in a while, but I, I, I added him here because I started reading his bio at the top, and I just wanted to... This was the first part of his bio. Uh, Dan Hanks has a seven-page rap sheet showing more than 50 arrests and three terms in state and federal prisons. The youngest of 10 children, he took to the streets as a teenager to avoid the advances of a sexually abusive stepfather. Good God. Yeah. 
it goes on. There's something about San Quentin in the next line. It so does. I don't know. I'll just I'll read this on my own. But yeah, that's yeah interesting. Very interesting. I hope I hope that that uh, you know I hope this uh, marks Dan Hanks' turnaround because uh, he certainly looks happy in his headshot. I hope everything's all right with Dan. Well, he plays uh, a cop in this movie, so maybe you know maybe that's what he needed is just getting to the yeah, other side get of in the, that, the law. Get into the skin of the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Sean, that's everybody I have. So please, I'm dying to know what happened behind the scenes on this movie. Okay, so yeah, I, I missed the boat that this was a Michael Mann uh, project at all. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a surprise to me. Now, now here's the the biggest bit of trivia that, of course, had nothing else about it that I well the the most important thing to me or most interesting thing, uh, and I saw on various sites, uh, including IMDb, was that the, this movie was in fact conceived as a television pilot, and the quote is eventually retooled for theatrical release, which that phrasing makes it sound like they shot it to be a pilot, but there's no way, right? With this well, many people, and well, I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. Like at the time, maybe because I mean, I guess my thing is you got to remember like how how cinematic at the time Miami Vice was. Well, that's true. That and was you like, have the executive producer of Miami Vice, yeah. right on your house. Anyway, I don't know. It that, maybe that does make sense then. No, but it, it says that uh, yeah, Miami pff, Miami Vice Michael Mann <laughs> just call Miami Vice. He's yeah. Fine. My uh, he was presented this project, I'm assuming, by the writers, and he got so excited about it that he instantly agreed to become an executive producer without seeing the first draft of the script. That's not terribly unusual, but within three months of that initial meeting, um, he then met with TriStar, I guess, and they had the script, and they were ready to roll. Um Principal photography began on September 30th, which was literally like only four months after that initial meeting, um, which is crazy. So, yeah, it happened quickly. Um, He said that uh, this being Michael Mann, that what he liked about it were all the surprises and the strangeness of it. This is a quote. Uh, Here you have five basically criminal subculture juveniles coming together and healing themselves. What was interesting to me is how they respond when they're thrown into a really hostile environment. First, the Everglades, then inner city Miami, where the conflict is so pronounced they have to learn to survive by ultimately finding some kind of bond with each other or die. That's always the other side of the survive coin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can't really get away from the death part once you're in the survive survive coin. Uh, Paul Michael Glazer added, quote, the picture vibrates with the energy of these ghetto kids fighting with the elements. Ultimately, we have the synthesizing of the city and the jungle in the jungle in the city. And to that note, here's here's what I think you like this movie. I don't know. I'm okay. guessing as a kid. Try. Just try me. Uh, so they began principal photography in Florida's Everglades. That's a very interesting environment to shoot mm-hmm. something, right? As a kid, I feel like that would, yeah, that'd be cool. Sure. Go to the swamp, right? Uh, and they said clearly that was the most challenging setting for the film. They had to use airboats loaded with essentials only, cameras, film, Bug spray, food, <laughs> handguns. Oh boy! Because of rattlesnakes and copperheads, and uh, makeup costumes and portable bathrooms. The crew worked mainly in chest high water, and that was pared down to just critical members only. They did do some matching shots for the Everglades at a deserted zoo in like a tropical garden area, but um, 
It was called the Crandon Park Zoo, if there's any South Florida folks listening. And uh, apparently the cast and crew were very relieved to be shooting there as opposed to the Everglades again, (laughs) which I don't blame them. Yeah, there is definitely, I was going to say, there's some stuff I remember from this, like watching them shoot where I was like, man, how, how do you even know what you're getting into right here? Yeah. Like, that's got to be some uh, some very real tension on the set. But, yeah. I guess so. But, uh, yeah, the other half was shot on the beach, you know, South Miami Beach. So that's maybe the reward as well. Um, it said that they had a unique deal with Miami Beach uh, where they basically guaranteed that once they were done shooting, they would leave the area repainted and refurbished um, uh, the, the homes and the, some of those Art Deco homes and the park and a couple other structures, and they would leave them in better condition than they found them. And so, in fact, there was a playground that was built that was fully landscaped, and that's on the Collins Avenue area of 2nd Street, again, for our Miami listeners. Mm -hmm. And production finished December 13th, 1985. The movie opened on April 11th, 1986 in the United States. It was also known as D5 Froth Miami in Denmark. sweet. Yeah. The five from Miami. Not bad. Nope. Uh, tagline. They're back on the mean streets, but this time they are the good guys. Oh. Nice little twist there. Put the twist in the tagline. Yeah. I like it. Uh, not a huge box office present for no. presents for this movie. Uh, the total U.S. was $4.86 million worldwide. It did 538 the budget, however, was around $8.7 million, which was the estimate. So a bit of a loss there. Maybe they made it back on video. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it opened number three on the weekend of April 11th in the United States. Made $2.2 million of its $4.8 that weekend. Um, I'm not going to make you guess number one of 86 that particular weekend, Craig, because it was the money pit. And <laughs> number you. two was Police Academy 3. Back in training. What good times. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, that weekend, uh, 8 through 10, you got The Color Purple, Pretty in Pink, and Out of Africa. So some pretty wow. big movies there. I don't know if those are like holdovers from a bunch of previous weeks or not. But yeah. uh, the movie ended up being the 108th highest grossing movie of the year. And that year, you know the number one movie of that year, don't you, Craig? 1986? 1986? Well, that's easy, Sean. I'm not going to say it. Okay, I'm waiting. Uh... I mean, it's 1986. <laughs> it's 1986, Sean. That's not the name of a movie. You can't even aware. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, nah, you're not too far off, but uh, no. It was Top Gun. Yeah, of course. Number two, Crocodile Dundee. Uh, you got Platoon, Karate Kid Part 2, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, Back to School, Aliens, The Golden Child, Ruthless People, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. In Ooh. that order. Yes, in that order, which means Back to School made more money than Aliens, which seems crazy that to me. That does seem crazy. And get this, less than $2 million separated Top Gun and Crocodile Dundee at the box office that year. <laughs> that is how big Crocodile Dundee was. It was. I, it yeah, was I kind of remember big. it being this monster thing, but I didn't know it was that close. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, but wow, what a year. You also had The Color of Money, Stand By Me, Poltergeist 2, Short Circuit, The Fly, Three Amigos, Little Shop of Horrors, Hoosier, Soul Man, Room with a View, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Boom! Yep, one per year. Um, Howard the Duck, Psycho 3. And uh, those weren't even in like the bottom part of the top 100 because like 
it was crazy to me. I looked at the bottom part of the top 100 and then beyond, and you had Labyrinth, Big Trouble in Little China, Michael Mann's Manhunter, yep, mm-hmm. Blue Velvet, Something Wild, Texas Chainsaw 2, She's Gotta Have It, Highlander, Transformers the Movie, Sid and Nancy, My Beautiful Laundrette, Rad the Movie, mm-hmm. uh, Night of the Creeps, etc. Here's a question. A lot going on at the uh, in the back half of the box office that oh, year. For sure. Huh? Memorable movies, yeah. Uh, my question being, rad the movie. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to rad the word? Like, what was rad? It was rad <laughs> no, it was just rad other the word. Movie? Like, yeah. yeah. It was that BMX movie. I, I've right. I definitely watched that movie, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I totally saw it. I just don't know why you okay. had to say it was a movie. Like, what else would people think? Well, that's a good point. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Not everybody's yeah. familiar with rad. Sure. <laughs> they should be. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Craig, the reception of your beloved movie here not 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 great, not no. great. No one does um, it the way I do. But it made for some good reviews as far as a reading experience goes. Walter Goodman in the New York Times wrote, "Take five apparently incorrigible young criminals, put them into the hands of a combination of Rambo and Tarzan, who takes them into the wild, teaches them the arts of survival." self-esteem and sensitivity and brings them back to Miami to wipe out the city's drug dealers and low lives. That is what happens in band of the hand, which opened yesterday, blah, 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 blah. The rest is mainly whack splat and kaboom with fast cuts to a rock beat. Miami vice V I S E Miami vice. Uh, nice little, little play there at the end. Walter Goodman. So is that a good review or not? I, well, I was like, oh, that sounds exciting. I'm, I'm like, yeah. wax, splat, well, and kaboom. Yeah, sure. I asked that because on the Blu-ray, it is, it's like they have a pull quote. That that pull quote is on the back. The wax, wax splat, splat, and kaboom. kaboom, and with fast cuts to a rock beat. But even when I read that the first time, I was like, I don't know if that's a good review. Yeah, I don't think it was <laughs> yeah. from Walter Goodman, but I'm glad that they used it as a board. Me too. It was great. I love uh, it. And then uh, Dave Kerr at the Chicago Reader said, Michael Mann produced this exercise and fascist chic and it plays like a tv pilot filled out with a few cuss words and strokes of excess violence which is interesting since apparently it was yeah. uh director paul michael glazer was he starsky or was he hutch can't be bothered with characterization he counts on our familiarity with his obvious models which run the gamut from dead end to the dirty dozen to do his work for him and all of the necessary steps in the narrative the kids learning self-respect, community values, moral imperatives are glossed over in the clumsy rush to get to the next a logically planned and differently executed action sequence. Mm. Now, I think that's definitely not. A, that was a not. Yeah, they didn't pull that one. <laughs> uh, the movie was nominated for worst picture at something called the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Which, oh, uh, shut up! <laughs> I'm not familiar with the Stinkers, no, but I like. It. Uh, but definitely, I, I mean, I think. With age came fondness. Uh, Gil Jouettes at DVDtalk.com, and I, I thought this was kind of interesting, actually, wrote, It's the closest any film of the era comes to predicting the mission-based Miami world of the recent video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City. There are times when Band of the Hand almost looks like a live-action version of the popular game. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Interesting. I feel like now, you know, like studios would be like, God, yes, please, can we have a yeah. a film that sort of captures that exact same audience? Because that game is gigantic. Yeah. Anyway, 
1986 was a big year for movies, obviously, uh, not even just at the box office, but Pixar was founded in February of that year. Boom. Uh, yeah. Arnie Schwarzenegger and Maria Shriver got married in April. Uh, Timothy yes. Dalton became James Bond number four. Uh, Siskel and Ebert premiered in syndication in September. An American Tale, the Spielberg-produced animated movie, broke the record held by Disney's The Rescuers as the largest opening weekend for an animated film, which I would not have predicted either one of those movies were ever the largest opening weekend for an animated movie. I can't believe yeah, no. it's not one of the other classics. That's crazy. It is. Uh, even, you know, I don't know, maybe that's not taking inflation into account. Anyway, uh, Oscars that year, uh, Platoon did quite well, won Best Picture and Best Director for Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Newman won Best Actor, Color of Money. Uh, Best Actress was Marley Matlin of Children of a Lesser God. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hannah and her sisters took home both Best Supporting Actor awards for Michael Caine and Diane Weist. Craig, let's talk Danny Quinn for a second. Yeah, Danny Quinn it up, man. Well, here's what you need to know about Danny Quinn. He is the son of Anthony Quinn. Boom. And... Uh, he apparently got along so well with Lauren Holly that they got married in 1991. Whoa. But they also got divorced in 1994, Oof. and it was a very public, nasty divorce, which included accusations of abuse <sighs> by Anthony Quinn and had him claiming that Lauren Holly's careless spending squandered their fortune. She accused him of infidelity and refusing to work. Uh, a few months later, wow. after they divorced, she met Jim Carrey on the set of Dumb and Dumber in nineteen eighty and ninety four, and they were secretly married for ten months. I didn't. I don't know if I knew that or not about Jim no. Carrey and Lauren Holly. No. But there's a little bit of apple falling from the tree here, not too far. Mm-hmm. Because when Anthony Quinn, his father, got divorced himself in 1997, Danny was called on to testify, and under oath, he had to admit that he, in fact, did physically abuse Lauren Holly. Oof. Said, quote, I would grab her, I would punch her, I would kick her. It was awful. There were times I really wanted to hurt her. And not only that... He testified that his Academy Award-winning father, Anthony, beat his own mother. So not yeah. a good day for the Quinn no. gentleman. Um, yeah. So maybe that might be why you hadn't heard of many of, of his films as well. Yeah. It doesn't sound like uh, maybe people wanted to work with him too much. All right. My last bit of on this day trivia here. It, it's a little long, but it was crazy to think about a little bit. So on the day of the release of this very Miami-centric, Florida-centric movie, Craig, Uh April 11th, 1986, there was an infamous shootout in Miami involving the FBI and two bank robbers. I don't remember this or anything about this, but it was kind of crazy. So there was Guy Michael Platt and William Maddox, a checkered pass. They had met in the Army. I think Platt was in Vietnam. William Maddox's wife was stabbed to death at a hospital in Ohio where she worked. Maddox told the police that she had had an affair with his buddy Michael Platt, and Maddox was a suspect in the murder but never charged. 
my interpretation of that is that Maddox is saying his wife cheated on him with Platt because he wants them to think that Platt is a uh, a suspect. Yeah. If that makes sense. So you not two guys you would expect then that would be friendly enough that Michael Platt said, William Maddox, hey, move to Miami and come hang out with me. And he did. So I, I, obviously they were friends to a degree. Right. Michael Platt's second wife killed herself. They said both were a little suspicious here as far as the death of these wives. Um, but it's weird, nonetheless. Yeah. In 1985, things got decidedly darker. They murdered a guy and stole his car. Eleven days later, they attempted to rob a Wells Fargo truck, shot a guard in the leg. The whole thing was botched. They didn't get any money. The guard, however, died. Um, A week later, they're still on the lam. They robbed two banks. Um, That was, I can't remember the month, but then in January of the following year, this is 86, they hit another armored car. They shot another guy, stole his car in March. The guy lived and walked three miles to get help. Couldn't ID them, but they at least had a car to go on, right? And so in April, the FBI are on the lookout for this car. And on April 11th, they had assembled basically like a stakeout because they expected these guys would strike again, would try to rob something in the area. And uh, sure enough, they were right. So... They found the car, and they had, like, three different squad cars of FBI guys, and they were able to surround it and force Maddox and Platt off the road, and then, like, all hell just apparently broke loose. And the Wikipedia page has, like, a literally, like, you know, movement by movement of this gunfight. But I'll narrow it down here. It involved 10 people, two suspects, and eight FBI agents. Of the 10, only one... Special Agent Mana Uzi is his name, I guess, did not fire any shots because his firearm was thrown out of the car in the collision. Um, Only one of these people emerged without a wound at all. It lasted less than five minutes, yet approximately 145 shots were exchanged. Two FBI agents were killed along with Maddox and Platt. Um it's infamous, apparently, in FBI history and was well-studied because they outnumbered these guys 8-2, to two, but they were they found themselves pinned down by suppressive rifle fire, and they did not have the weapons they needed to respond effectively. Yeah. And it said that it led to the introduction of more effective handguns in the FBI and many police departments around the United States. Obviously, I think that has been taken to an, an unnecessary extreme with many police yeah. departments resembling small armies themselves now. But to tie this all together, Craig, wouldn't you know it, NBC made a TV movie about this very event called In the Line of Duty, The FBI Murders. And I think it came out in later in 86, if I'm not mistaken, had Ronnie Cox and Bruce Greenwood playing the two FBI agents Ben Grogan and Jerry Dove, who were killed in the line of fire. Whoa. Yep. Wow. You know who Ronnie Cox is, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Deliverance, the guy that looks like David Letterman a little bit. Yeah, Deliverance um, and RoboCop and yep. all that. Yep. So, long story, but it was just crazy enough that I had to share it. And it's another one of those situations where, I mean, clearly they did not pull this movie from the theaters, and it was yeah. the number three on the weekend. So uh, it's not like it, it had any sort of like 
sensitivity triggering going on in audiences around America. But yeah, it is uh, interesting. Yeah, if that had happened uh, in 2006, I don't know. Uh, Different don't know. story. Yep, maybe. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch this movie, Craig. Um, I think there's a Blu-ray floating around on this one, yeah? Yes, there is. In fact, I have myself one. Nice. It is also available to rent, at least in standard def, yep. on Amazon Prime. And uh, hopefully you can find a copy and come watch it. Hell yeah. We'll talk about it next time in detail. Looking forward to it. Craig, any last words? Uh, only these, Sean. Wax, Blatt, and Kaboom with yeah. cuts to a rock beat. <laughs> Miami Vice. Mm. We'll talk next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.